What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. And on today's episode, we have North Carolina Wesleyan coach Justin Griffith. Very excited about this episode. This is an episode uh, that, that we answer a lot of the D3 stigma. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talk going around. There's a lot of, lot of stuff. And we wanted to uh, dive deep into it. We want to get with Justin. We want to talk about it. He played D3. He's coaching D3. He's also coached at the, at the high D2 level, recruiting coordinators and, and one – championships and all that kind of stuff at the D2 level. Now he's back at his alma mater at NC Wesleyan, and we wanted to ask him, we wanted to talk to him about D3 basketball to get all the answers, uh, uh, questions answered and, and talked about and, and put it out there in the open as, as to how they go about recruiting, what their uh, budgets look like, what their travel looks like, what the talent in, the, in, in, in uh, their team and leagues look like, and, and the atmospheres that they play in and the facilities and all that kind of stuff. We wanted, we wanted to talk about all of it, just put it all out there and let, let everybody hear it and, and, and talk about the option of, of going D3 basketball. Very excited about you guys listening to this because I think it'll surprise a lot of you. Uh, but before we get into it, make sure that you please go ahead and subscribe to this uh, Go ahead and sub subscribe to this uh, podcast if you would. Please also uh, rate it five stars. And if you would, uh, leave us a comment about what you enjoyed about it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and if you appreciate the, the conversation, and uh, please feel free to share it across your platforms as well. Um, but without further ado on the Absolute Basketball Podcast, here is North Carolina Wesleyan assistant coach Justin Griffith. Thank you guys very much. What is going on, everybody? It is Jamie Shaw here on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. In today's episode, I'm very excited to have – uh, NC Wesleyan assistant coach Justin Griffith on the show with us today. Justin, how you doing? I'm good, Jamie. I appreciate you having me on. Man, absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited about this, uh, this episode. We, we, we talked about it and all this kind of stuff. And I, I think there are some misconceptions out there about the D3 game, about the talent level and, and, and going the D3 route. And I'm really excited for you to get on and tell your story and then tell, you know, kind of kind of answer some of those misconceptions and stuff. This is, I think, going to be an incredibly valuable overall uh, topic. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's something I'm passionate about, uh, being a D3 player and now a D3 coach. Uh, D3 was a great experience for me, and it's, you know, it's just something that I'm really passionate about. No, absolutely. And, and growing up, you came Mount Tabor, uh, incredibly successful program through the years and all that kind of stuff. And you had multiple opportunities to play college ball. You, you had some scholarship monies coming at you. You had D2s, JUCOs, and D3s and stuff. And ultimately, you yourself chose to play at NC Wesleyan. You, you chose to further your career there. Take us through that process um, of kind of your recruitment and then why you ultimately landed at the D3 DC, uh, NC Wesleyan. Yeah, so like you said, I played at Mountain Tabor High School in Winston-Salem for Andy Muse, who's uh, one of the best high school coaches in the state. You know, a ton of talent has come through Mount Tabor over the years. And um, I, my recruitment in my senior year kind of picked up towards the end. Uh, I had Lenore Ryan, Mars Hill, Lise McCray were recruiting me with some partial scholarship offers. And then Lewisburg Junior College um, also came in. But Coach Thompson and Wesleyan, they were just very persistent uh, in my recruitment. I got sick during my senior year, so I missed about half of the season. Um, but Coach just never wavered. And then the biggest thing for me uh, in Wesleyan and why I chose Wesleyan was coach. He laid out a plan that was beyond basketball. I, I knew I wanted to get into college coaching uh, when I got done playing. And coach just really had a plan in place for me and his professionalism and the opportunities at Wesleyan. It kind of boiled down to, do I want to go play a Division II program? Where at the time, you know, Lise McCray and Mars Hill are much better now than they were in 2008. Um, do I want to go there or do I want to play in a program where we have an opportunity to win? And, you know, for me, it just came down to 
plan after playing and a chance to win and a chance to play right away. So obviously you go play for coach John Thompson, who's, who's got a great reputation. He's got great relationships throughout the business and he's respected in the coaching world by some of the biggest names um, out there. Uh, what was it like playing for a coach like John Thompson? Um, you know, people look, you know, D3 coaching and all that kind of stuff. Well, well, Thompson kind of supersedes the thought process of a D3 coach and everything with his relationships and stuff. What was it like playing for a coach like him? Hey, coach is awesome. Uh, he's the epitome of professionalism. You never see coach where he's not looking sharp. He's not uh, doing things the right way. And mm -hmm. coach is a great teacher of basketball. Helped me grow my game tremendously in my time at Wesleyan. And like you said, coach, is, he kind of, you know, exceeds expectation of the of the normal, what people would think is a Division three coach. I mean, coach was selected by USA Basketball in 2012 to mm -hmm. be an assistant for the 18 and under team, which Billy Donovan and Shaka Smart and Mark Few were the, the top three coaches for that team. You know, but coach was out there select helping the selection process of that team. And he coached guys like Marcus Smart, Montrez Harrell, Julius Randle. So, you know, it's it was awesome playing for coach, um, but he's much more than just a basketball coach. He's a great teacher of life and a great mentor. He's still been that for me up to this day. And, you know, like I said, it was just an awesome experience playing for coach. Well, one of the things, too, that it seems like um, with Coach Thompson is that his guys, once they get done playing, kind of stay around the game. Um, obviously, you're a great example of that. More recently, Chris Sauce is another example of that. And there's been others who kind of, get into the coaching aspect of things around basketball and all that kind of stuff. What was it about coach Thompson that, and his charisma and his ability as a coach kind of drives that into you as, as a player for a future profession? Yeah. I mean, coach, just the experience at Wesleyan, I think for all the guys that you mentioned, like Chris sauce and Cornelius snows at Mount Olive and David Gaines, who's at Huntington college. I think the same thing is said for all of us that we just had a passion for the game. And then, Coach just kind of drove that passion to a new level um, and the experiences that we had at Wesleyan. We got to meet so many guys that was just out of our realm, you know, working Duke camp every year. Got to really see Coach's relationship with Mike Krzyzewski and some of the things that Coach was able to do um, just because of the game of basketball and the relationships he got to develop with guys like Jim Beheim um, and some guys that work in the Wizards organization. We just always had guys coming in to speak to us uh, just the other day on Facebook, I had a memory that popped up and I was at a Wesleyan fundraiser with Chris Carwell and Nate James. Um, so just those type of opportunities, I think that coach just kind of opens doors and avenues for, for us as players, at, not just in coaching, but in all sorts of professions. And uh, one of the things that coach did for us, those guys, including myself, was he introduced us to coaching. And I think it's something that we all just really took hold of. And, you know, we wanted to make that a career. And I think the cool thing about that is, too, is I want to kind of reiterate is y'all all gone on to have successful coaching careers as well, coming out of, I guess, his coaching tree. You specifically, uh, you went on to, um, uh, for six seasons, you're at Mount Olive after, go, after being at Winston-Salem uh, State for a little bit and stuff. Six seasons at Mount Olive, you were the uh, recruiting coordinator there. Uh, y'all were nationally ranked there and all that kind of stuff. Um, now you're back at NC Wesleyan uh, to coach. What's kind of your journey been like as a coach in the coaching profession for you yourself? Yeah, you know, like like most guys in the business, I, I was fortunate to break in to a full, like not a full-time position, I should say in quotations, <laughs> to work for Joey Higginbottom and Mount Off, who is an unbelievable coach, uh, one of the hardest working guys in the business and does things the right way, super organized, learned so much from Joey. And my first position paid $5,000. And the first month that 
I was at Mount Olive, I slept in the team room on the couch um, because there was an apartment ready for me yet. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, those experiences there were so, I mean, I couldn't put a value on those because it just, learning to work that way and the things that, that Joey instills in the players, you know, he kind of instilled in me because I was fresh out of college. But going to Mount Olive was awesome. When I was at Winston State, you know, we had some success. Uh, got linked up with Andre Gray, who to this day is one of my good friends in the business. And, you know, I think if you're from North Carolina and you don't know who Andre Gray is, then you must be living under a rock. <laughs> no doubt, man. Because <laughs> Andre's incredible. Yeah, everybody seems to know Dre. And then after Mount Olive, you know, this past year, I got to go to Lander and had a ton of success uh, there in our one year. We won 23 games and got to work with one of my good friends, Drew Richards, who's, you know, a, a rising star in this business. He's a guy that we're going to see coaching on TV one day. So mm -hmm. um, my journey, you know, has been good, and it's brought me back home to Wesleyan, uh, and I'm super excited about it. Uh, getting to work with Coach as a player was awesome, and I'm just as excited, if not more excited, to get to work with Coach now being on his staff. So you've had some incredible successes throughout your, your coaching career so far. How special is it or was it mean to you be able to come back now and actually coach at your alma mater and, and, and groom these men kind of the way that you were groomed as a player? Yeah, it, it's it's really unique in a sense that the guys on the team, I've walked in their shoes. You know, I've been in that dorm room. I've been in the cafeteria that they've ate at. Um, so it's it's cool in that uh, in that sense. And yesterday we had a really cool experience. We did a Zoom call and I got to bring some of my former teammates on uh, and talk to our team about some of the things that we did uh, while we were there that helped us be successful. You know, we were fortunate to win three conference championships while we were there. So, um, you know, we're just trying to instill that. And this team reminds me a lot of the team that we had my junior year where we lost a lot, but, you know, our junior class stepped up and we were able to, to make some great things happen and play in the NCAA tournament. So, but it's, it's a unique experience. It's special and it's something that I'm really looking forward to. So having played at that level, now having coached at the level, recruiting to that level, and all that kind of stuff. I want to hear about the talent at that level. I want to hear about the talent that's playing D3 basketball right now. You know, it's it's unique. And a lot of people, when they hear D3, you know, some people try to label it as glorified high school basketball, which drives me insane <laughs> uh, because there's guys that are that are pros um, at that level. And, you know, I've been fortunate. Like I said, I've coached Division II basketball for the past eight years. And I've played against and played with guys that would have started on every team that I've coached. And I've coached the championship team everywhere I've been, Mount yeah. Olive, Winston, State, and Lander. And so, you know, for whatever the reason, you know, coaches were not perfect. You know, sometimes guys fall through the cracks. But other times there's just guys that are really good recruiters at the Division three level that find a way to get kids to come on board. But, um, you know, there's there's really good players at every level. And the Division three level is no different. And – you know, there's guys that right now on our team, we got a kid named Damian McDowell who led the conference in scoring last year, is as talented of a guard as I've coached in any stop that I've been at in Mount, either Mount Olive or Lander or Winston State. So why do you feel like there's this perception uh, surrounding D3 basketball? Why, why do you think that exists? I think it more so has to do with just there's no scholarship money mm -hmm. um, involved uh, with playing basketball. You know, you're kind of playing, paying to play is, is what people say. But well, the misconception also is like the financial packages at Division Three are really good. You know, mm -hmm. like in my own story, some of the D2s that were offering me, they couldn't match the financial package that, that Wesleyan offered us. And there's a lot of things that factor into that. You know, obviously grades matter, financial aid matters. Um, but there's a whole different things of scenarios um, that go into 
the packaging and stuff. And I think that's one thing to do with it. Um, but I just think there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, division three and the resources and the, and the travel and stuff. When in fact, my best travel experiences, the coolest experiences playing in cities like New York city, Philadelphia, Atlanta, we did all that stuff when I was a division three player and we did none of that stuff uh, when I was a division two assistant. Well, what's that, uh, what's that gear package look like? What's that travel look like and all that kind of stuff? What, what makes those so memorable? Well, uh, I mean, at Wesleyan, Coach, Coach is big on looking good. And he wants the team to look good. <laughs> well, you can Coach tell every time he walks into a gym, like he's got this presence about him. He's always put together, hair done perfectly and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Coach, is, Coach is definitely, you know, always wants to have the latest and best gear. You know, when I played at Wesleyan, we were wearing LeBron's, Kobe's. Um, you know, guys had – you know, the generic stuff, but then we had walking around shoes, multiple travel suits, you know, multiple sets of practice gear. We had four sets of uniforms, you know, and multiple dry fits, short. I mean, just tons of stuff, book, book, new book bags every year. And, you know, I've been at D2 schools where it wasn't that good. Some of them were, were very close, but, and then travel wise, we always chartered buses. You know, I have, I have detailed memories of being with some of my teammates in the back of the bus, and we had this table that would fold down, and we were back there playing cards while we're driving up to play in New York City. We're staying in Times Square uh, New Year's Eve and, and hanging out. And, you know, some of the best times of my life uh, were, were made on, on that trip. And, you know, it's just not every program gets to do that in D3, but there are a lot of programs that do stuff like that. Uh, like Hampton Sydney is another one, and those guys fly out to California and play and play games and stuff. So, you know, just because it's D3 doesn't mean that, you know, the money's lower. A lot of times the, the, the budgets are higher. Now, what's those uh, What's those card? Now, obviously, with this uh, Jordan documentary going on and everything last week, they were talking about card games on the back of the flight and stuff. What's those NC Wesleyan card games looking like on the back of the bus? Well, they're played for cookout trays. <laughs> not not, uh, not bands of, of bands of tens and thousands of dollars. They're mostly for cookout trays and uh, – it may be a Gatorade here and there, but, you know, yeah. lots of tunk, uh, some poker, but mostly tunk and, uh, you know, some spades action every now and then, too. So, so you got to get um, some spades on the back of a basketball ball. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, my spades partner, we we uh, we handed out a lot of losses in our day. But, um, you know, no doubt. All I in good fun. One of the things you touched on a little bit earlier was the scholarship packages versus the, the packages that D3s give out and all that kind of stuff with all the financial aids and everything. Um, I think uh, one of the bigger misconceptions or something about D2 basketball is the fact that, you know, not, they don't have 13 scholarships for kids as well. A lot of them, they, they maybe have one or two full scholarships and they have to ration out the rest of them for the rest of the team and all that kind of stuff. So the financial packaging within the D3 and then the, you know, the D2 world is not necessarily that different. It's just pulling from different areas. Am, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, um, I mean, obviously at the D2 level, they have what's a basketball scholarship money. Yeah. And then at the Division three route, there might be some grants and stuff that you may be able to qualify for that may involve, uh, you know, your grades or your extracurricular activities that a D2 may not offer. But, um, you know, it can be very competitive in price, you know. And, and my thing was, it came down to me and my decision was $2,000 going to separate me from going to NC Wesleyan and having a chance to win championships and play and embark on all these great experiences that I got to have? Or am I going to go to one of these other schools that at the time, um, you know, weren't the best? They were in the mountains. I really wasn't fond of, of being <laughs> in the mountains and in the cold. Um, and for me, it just, it just was simple as that, you know, 
the $2,000, yeah, you know, I came out of school with some student, a little bit more student loans than maybe I would have, but, you know, those, those little bit of loans, you know, can't replace the memories and the stuff that I got to do as a player. Oh, no doubt. And then, you know, $2,000 of student loans or whatever. And, you know, now you're in a career because of the choice that you made. Now that you, you have, you know, now you have financial stability because of the choice you made and, you know, a place to go and a home and all that kind of stuff too. Whereas, you know, possibly you might not have had that at a D2 school. Absolutely. Um, the coaching at the D3 level, you, we, we've talked all about John Thompson. I think everybody knows about him. Uh, what, what type of coaching is there? What type of development is there? Like, like, I mean, these players, there are players that go on to play, as you said, professionally. I mean, most notably recently, Duncan Robinson came from a D3 school, played at Michigan and went to pros and all that kind of stuff. So you're coming against guys right. like that. There's pros being developed overseas uh, that, that go on to have great careers and all that kind of stuff. But that comes from the development within the program, the coaching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what's a misconception or what do you see about the coaching that you've seen around the area, around the landscape of D3 basketball? You know, there's guys that are as good as it can be. You know, a guy like Dave Macedo is a Virginia Wesleyan, I think is one of the best coaches at any level, any way you want to put it. He's won national championships. He's been in multiple Final Fours. You know, he was battling Mike Rhodes in the ODAC, you know, for ODAC supremacy years to come. And now Mike Rhodes, you know, his past just been different. He's at VCU now, and he's building a, a really successful program. And I think that's the kind of quality of coaches that are at that level. Brad Stevens was a D3 guy at once in his career. And I think that there's guys that are like that. You know, obviously we're all looking to, for that break in this business. Uh, but I think the Division three level is chock full of coaches that can coach at any given level, any given time. Uh, but player development-wise, you know, it's all about your emphasis. Uh, Coach Thompson does a heck of a job with player development. He, you know, he takes time in every practice to do it. One thing that's different about D3 is there's not a lot of basketball development until you start practice where at the higher levels they can get their hands on players a little sooner so that's different but you know basketball is basketball and ultimately players make players but if you have the structure the resources the gym access then you can develop and that's one thing that we always had at Wesleyan and I know that a lot of other programs like Guilford, Roanoke, uh, Christopher Newport those guys all do great jobs of developing players. And I think one thing, too, you, you bring up Christopher Newport and stuff, uh, even some somewhat Guilford and stuff, the facilities, some really nice facilities going around uh, the D3 areas as well. I mean, we talk about the budgets of the, uh, you know, the travel stipends and, or the travel, and we talk about the gear and stuff, but there's some, some of the facilities are, are super nice. Yeah, it, absolutely. Virginia Wesleyan just did some nice upgrades to their facility. Christopher Newport, who was in our conference when I played at Wesleyan, you know, that was a huge game for us. Mm -hmm. You know, we're the small private school. They're the big public state school in Virginia, and we'd go up there, and, you know, there's 3,000 people in there. There's chairback seats, and, it, and it's really nice. And Roanoke, I mean, in the ODAC, they have an unbelievable yeah. facility. It's a it's a mid-major Division One facility yeah. um, at a D3 school. But And even that, you know, like at Wesleyan, we don't have the largest facility, but I would put our game day atmosphere up against, you know, any conference Carolina school that, that I coached against, um, you know. You know, Mount Olive, had, we had some great, some great crowds as well. But at Wesleyan, it's just if there, if it's a school night, it's packed in there, and the football yeah. team's in there, and it and it's rocking. So, I think that speaks a lot too. You know, do you want to play in a big arena in front of two hundred people, or do you want to play in you know maybe a eighteen hundred seat gym that's that's full every night? Yeah, no doubt. And then looking at it, I guess everybody, every kid who's playing in the driveway growing up, their their dream is to play pro. Um, Obviously, there are more options to play professionally than the NBA um, out there. 
what are some what are some of the routes that you've seen some of the players that you've seen even your time playing and, and up until now the d3 players have taken to having long-term careers playing professional basketball yeah and i think you know they all people will say if you're good enough to play they're going to find you and, mm-hmm. and that's just the truth and i was fortunate enough to play with some good players in my time like josh morrison out of chapel hill matt doherty from aiden grifton those guys were teammates of mine that went on to both play in australia have good careers. Josh spent some time in Germany. I played against Tyler Sanborn, mm-hmm. who's over the head coach at Ferrum now, who was the national player of the year for Division Three. played in the Lakers summer league team, played really high levels in Israel and France. And, and Tyler's a friend of mine, and he was an unbelievable player. DJ Woodmore was a really good player, Virginia Wesleyan, that I was fortunate to play against, and he's still playing to this day. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like any other thing. You know, you got you to gotta produce, and those guys – all had size and talent and they went out and they did it. You know, when I played at Wesleyan, we played against some division two schools. You know, we beat St. Andrews and they were in conference Carolinas. We took UNC Pembroke into overtime. And then you see a guy like Ricardo Bullock, who's from Durham, who just signed with an agent. And um, I talked to him the other day and his agent is telling him that it's looking good for him to get a contract. And when he was on the team at Wesleyan, you know, a three pointer at high point was what separated them from losing in overtime and them, uh, and winning that game. So I just think that it shows that, once again, there's a misconception of the talent level at Division three, and there's pros at this level because uh, I've played against them and I've coached against them. So you've been the recruiting coordinator of, you know, nationally ranked Division two programs and stuff. And, uh, you know, what is your recruiting pitch like? How does it differ? Or, or what's your pitch like going from, let's say, a Mount Olive to now a North Carolina Wesleyan? Oh, uh, you know, it's a little different, obviously, with the scholarship angle. But at Mount Olive, you know, we had a winning tradition, and you could sell that. Um, and we talked about some of the success that we had. And I think at Wesleyan, you know, the culture that, that's been built there, that coaches built, playing for a guy that has such longevity like Coach Thompson, who's been there for over 20 years, and the success we've had. And then, you know, we've had multiple guys go on to play at the next level. I think those are some of the things that we talk about. But the biggest thing is that we – talk about your relationship with the staff, with this program extends beyond just the four years that you're here. There's a lot of basketball teams in colleges, but I think there are fewer basketball programs. And that's what we try to sell the kids that you're going to be a part of a program for the rest of your life, just not for the next four years. No doubt. And I guess now that we've talked about D3 and all that kind of stuff, what, what, what's it looking like right now at the, you know, on NC Wesleyan, like what's, what's, well, I guess we can go a couple ways with this. We could go with what are y'all doing during quarantine and how y'all doing as a team. But I want to ask like more so, what's the roster looking like? How are y'all looking forward to next year? Uh, what What's the team looking like? What's the atmosphere looking like and all that stuff? Yeah, you know, we lost a lot of interior scoring um, with A.J. Fry, Ricardo Bullock. Uh, those guys were were good players for us that we're, that we're having to replace. We're going to bring in a large class, which is, you know, traditional Division Three. We're going to bring in probably 10 new guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some commitments that we're really excited about and we have some good players coming back. You know, we had two freshman point guards that one led the conference and assist turnover ratio that we're really excited out named Braden Dixon, uh, Damon McDowell, who I spoke about o- earlier, led the conference in scoring at almost 20 a game. He'll be back on the wing for us. And then uh, we got a kid uh, named Zay Alston, who's going to be inside for us. Big kid, really athletic, um, kind of played behind those guys uh, that I mentioned before as a sophomore and I think he's going to come on and have a big junior year for us. So we're excited. Um, we're going to be young. Um, 
and our, we're going to need our senior leadership to step up and be big for us. But I'm excited. I think we have a chance to, to be as good as we want to be. We just got to go put the work in. What are some games uh, that you circle on your calendar every single year, the big, big rivalry games, the big matchup games? And what's, what's the atmosphere like uh, in the stands for those games? Yeah, you know, as coaches, you know, we try to preach one day at a time and, and, and we're trying to get better every day and not looking too far ahead. But the rivalry games at Wesleyan, Averett is a big rival. Uh, Coach Duino, who was my assistant in college, that's become a rivalry. And he does a fantastic job up there at Averett. Those guys are, are good and they come in and it's always a fun game. Methodist is a big game in our league and uh, William and Peace. That, those kind of are the three rivalries that we have kind of right now within the conference. And the, the games are great. If it's, a, if it's a school day, you know, like school night and school's in session, you can count on it being packed. Football team does a great job of being in the stands and they're rowdy and they're ready to get after it. And with Wesleyan, like I said, the, the facility isn't huge, but the fans are right on top of you. So if you go down and you miss a shot, there's a guy probably, you know, three feet from you who's just screaming at you and just letting you know, hey, like, we're here all night and we ain't going nowhere. So um, it's fun, you know, something as a player that, you know, I – I had a blast out there and I'm excited to get back as a coach and, and, and see, you know, how these guys respond in those big games. Another cool thing too, I think about the D3 level as well. You mentioned Tyler Sanborn at Ferrum or earlier, and you mentioned William Peace just now. The styles of play throughout the, the, the league or not the league, but throughout the division are, are so drastically different. You know, you got Ferrum that's like athletes and all that kind of stuff. And then you have Peace that's just like, let's get up as many shots as possible and play as fast as we possibly can and all that kind of stuff. What do you see, what do you see throughout the landscape and all that kind of stuff with identities and styles of play and the type of players that are going division three? Yeah, I think that uh, those guys like at peace and, you know, Pfeiffer, those guys, they have their system, they recruit to their system mm -hmm. and you got to be prepared to play both those teams. They're tough to plan for because, you know, Pfeiffer, plays really fast. They're going to press all game. They're going to – certain guys are going to drive. Other guys are just going to shoot at peace. They're going to shoot a lot of threes. They're going to get up. They're going to try to turn you over. Um, but it's all different styles, like I said. And there's and there's really good coaches. Claude does a great job at peace. Uh, the guy down at LaGrange, they do a lot of full-court press stuff. And, you know, so just like any other conference in the country, is just a bunch of unique styles. Guys believe in their systems, and they're going to do it. It's just our jobs to get our guys prepared to go in there and, and go to war. Yeah, it, from a coaching standpoint, it, it, it must be interesting because, like, the scouts before the games or whatnot, it's like, you know, you get in some conferences, even like Division One, it's like, okay, the Big Ten's going to play this way. Pretty much every team's going to have their version of this specific way. It's like you go through and you're, you know, in your scouts, it's like, you know, you might play a game on Tuesday and the game you play on Friday is completely different. So you actually have to, like, do your homework and get your scouts right and all that kind of stuff. I guess what it, what it is is, like, no two players in Division Three really look alike or, or act alike or play alike and stuff. There's such a wide-ranging, diverse kind of set of, of skill and talent and players that play there. Yeah, I'm, you know, because with Division Three, I think we have to get the most creative in a sense of, you know, guys may have certain, you know, things that they can't do well and deficiencies, but you got to take – if a guy can really drive it, you know, if he's an athletic 6'3 guy but he can't shoot a lick, like you, but he can really get to the basket and he rebounds and he's physical, you got to find a place to put that guy. So I think the, the job of coaches to really think outside the box and to create uh, an environment and, and an offensive flow or defense for that matter that can be successful with your personnel, 
you know, that's, you know, that's the challenge. You know, the, like I said, guys like Peace and them, they recruit to a system. But mm-hmm. one thing at Wesleyan that coaches try to do over the years is he wants to get the talent, the most talent we can get. And then he kind of just tweaks the stuff that we do to kind of fit his, the talent that we have. So, yeah, I, I would say for sure it's, it's a little different than the, the larger realm of college basketball that those guys have a bunch of players that they try to target to get into their system. But at the same time, you know, for us, we just don't have that luxury. No doubt. No, it's exciting stuff. And, and I would suggest anybody who's listening here, if you, if you get a chance to go to an Averett Wesleyan game or a, or a Wesleyan peace game or whatnot, make it a point to get out there and, and, and take a look at it. Cause I think, I think most people will be pleasantly surprised with not only the, the talent level on the floor, but also the excitement surrounding the game and, and, and what they're actually watching. Yeah, for sure. The atmosphere is in most small colleges tends to be good. I mean, can't say it for everybody, but, those games that you mentioned, those those will be, you know, packed to capacity crowds and, and all those teams have high level players. And that like I said, the misconception out there is is that, you know, any Joe off the street could go and play division three basketball. And that's that's just not the case. If you think so, uh, call a coach and go to a practice and you're gonna quickly find out that uh, you know, there's players that are high level players that you know, there's a reason that it's only the top 3% of high school seniors in the country go play college basketball at any level yeah. uh, because it's just not – it's not for everybody. No doubt. So how are you spending your time during this quarantine? Uh, it's been nice to spend some time with my family. You know, I got a young daughter uh, and my wife, so I've been trying to do that. Obviously, just getting to uh, Rocky Mount, getting to Wesleyan. So we've been moving, uh, finally gotten settled <laughs> in that. But I've been trying to jump on some of these Zoom calls, some of the ones that you've done. Uh, and some other guys, Marcus Kirkland, who's a good friend of mine, assistant at Wingate. He started one uh, with a group of us that has been has been really well, good, thought out, and kind of just leaning on guys. And I think one thing that the quarantine's done in the basketball culture is allow us to share. Yeah. You know, we've gotten away from that. It seems like guys just want to keep everything for themselves, and guys kind of have a shield up on trying to share things. But uh, I've seen more guys share now, and it's been some really good stuff. So. I'm, I'm interested to see going into the next season that, you know, what guys take from other coaches and what they implement. Uh, Cause I think more than ever, people have had time, had such a long time to think about their next season with, uh, you know, schools getting out and people not really being able to get into the postseason workout. So I think it's going to be an interesting year coming up. And, you know, I think we're all just itching to get back in the gym. So I got to ask, man, like you look sharp on this thing. You look like you're fresh cut and all that kind of stuff. Do you, do you, do you, who cuts your hair? Do you have your own personal plug or you let your <laughs> wife do it? Or? No, my sister is a, uh, is a, works in a salon and she's uh, down here. And so I was, I was miserable. I've been wearing a hat for like two months straight. Uh, and uh, when I got down here, I was, the first thing I did was I was like, you got to cut my hair, man. It's, it, I've been, I've been miserable. My wife will tell you, like, that's all I've been talking about for a month is oh, I got to get a haircut. Cause normally I get one every other week or at least. So I was, I was dying, man. So I'm, I'm happy that that I did get a haircut finally. I'm about to say, man, I bet you jumped out of the car and right into the chair and say, sis, let's, let's get this thing yeah, going. Ab- absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing. Cause I, you know, me the same way. It's like, I, I, I never, See, I was never like a stickler on my hair and all that kind of stuff, but now it's the fact that I can't go get one. It's just bothering the hell out of me, and I'm, I'm just sitting here like I, I got – I can't wait until uh, that, that thing opens up and I can go get one. And my wife's been uh, talking about, oh, man, I'm, I, I might be able to cut it and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if I'm ready to go down that path, though. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know some guys that have. Some guys had good experiences. Some guys are, are, are wishing they wouldn't have done it. So, uh, you know, 
teach his own. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, oh man, I'll wait, I'll wait, we'll see. But it's almost to get to a point where it's, uh, I might, I might sit down and and see what she's got. <laughs> yeah, hey, like I said, to each his own, man. If, if, that, if, it gets, if it gets, if it gets to that point for you, then I, I understand. Like I said, I was about to go crazy, but I was just fortunate enough to have a trained professional in my family, so no doubt it, it worked out well for me. So let's wrap things up a little bit here. Is there one? Is there one thought, one thing that you want to leave everybody with? I just hope that, you know, the, we help change some of the perception around D3 today and that, you know, some of these guys out here, you know, I'm not up here trying to, you know, play, trying to recruit for NC Wesleyan any harder than, you know, I already do. But mm-hmm. I just hope the guys will give it a chance and really look into it because there are some amazing opportunities out there at Division three schools and some of the resources that they have, you know, extends well beyond basketball. But there's some great basketball opportunities. Um, I love what you said about, you know, telling people to get out and go to a Division three game. Mm-hmm. I think that if a lot of high school seniors, you know, that are getting recruited at the D2, D3 level went out and watched games at both uh, both levels, they'd be surprised that, uh, you know, there's, there's a difference. Um, but at the same time, there's players on the court that can play at either level. So. Well, I'll um, tell you, it, it, for me on the scouting side of things, I, I, got, I got called out Grant Leonard at Queens. He called me out big time. I, earlier back in the days when I was just young and dumb, didn't know anything, uh, I, I'd be like, oh, well, he's not, you know, he, he's too good for you and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's what I would say. The kid's D1 player. They can't, they can't go to Queens and all that kind of stuff. He's like, he, he said, you know what, Jamie, I'm not even going to respond to that. This was like six years ago, five years ago. I'm not even – just come to one of our games and practices and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was like, all right, cool, I'll come out. And all of a sudden, you know, Queens, they're just beating each other up. And that just really opened my eyes to, you know what, me personally, as a, I, I need to go to these games. I need to go to D3 practices, D3 games, D2 games, D2 practices, D1 games, high major games, low major games. I need to go to these games to calibrate my eye and see, because it's like, how can I honestly tell you what type of player you can get if I've never seen you play? And I don't know what the hell it is that y'all even do. Um, you know, so imploring that same thought process that you just said for high school seniors and all that kind of stuff. How do they know that they're too good for that stuff if they've never seen it before? You know, because I, I bet you, I bet you the exact same guy that said, nah, coach, I ain't going to go to that. I'm better than that. Would come into a practice tomorrow and play pickup with your guys and not even get on the court after his first game. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, it, it definitely happens uh, for sure, just like that. But guys, you know, they got to take the time to, to see for what it is. And, you know, some of it's a humbling experience, but at the same other times, Guys just got to understand that there's ba- there's talent everywhere. There's yeah. basketball players everywhere. So you especially know. if you're especially if you're under six two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, we the team we had at Wesleyan that they had last year at Wesleyan. You know, they started two six eight guys and another six five guy that was you know two hundred and fifty pounds. So it you know, might have had the biggest feet that I've ever seen in my life. Yes, AJ's, AJ's feet. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah, just just humongous. So. You know, but there's just – there's players at every level. And, you know, I just think guys get so caught up on that D1 tag, D2 tag. And there's a coach at Florida State. Everybody knows CY. Yeah. And I went to a recruiting seminar that he did that was that was great, and it really kind of changed my mind on how you recruit. If I'm doing my job at Wesleyan, then I've got to recruit players that are good enough for Division Two. Oh, yeah. Just like when I was at Lander or if I was at Mount Olive, when I recruited those guys, like I got to find division one players because if we're going to win championships, then we got to have guys that are a level above us. So, you know, the good programs in division three, they got players that could play a division two and that's just how it is. 
Yeah, and some of it can even play Division One, but I, I think that's a great point. Uh, you know, I, I would challenge everybody listening to, to try to make it out to a D3 game, and if it's not a Wesleyan game, go to, go to a Hampton-Sydney game or go to a, a Ferrum game or go to a, you know, obviously you would prefer them to come to a Wesleyan game, but, you know, make, yeah, it, absolutely. make, <laughs> make it out to a game and actually, and actually look, and I'm sure that if you gave you a call or John Thompson a call or Tyler Sanborn a call or whomever – uh, Caleb over at Hampton, give them a call. I'm sure they would invite you to a practice and, and give you open access to everything that y'all have going on. Absolutely. No, our door is open. Um, coaches frequently having guys come in the gym anyway for practices, whether they're speaking to the team or guys just want to observe or recruits or whatever. So, you know, that, that invitation is, is open for us. And anybody that would want to sit down and has questions about anything that we talked about, I would, you know, love to answer any questions as well. Absolutely. Well, on that note, um, obviously, this is going to go out to the public, so don't give too much information out. But how can these people get in touch with you? So the best way uh, to get in touch with me is email, and I'm still transitioning into my uh, place at Wesleyan. So for right now, the best email to reach me at would be coachgriffiths33 at gmail.com. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. My email goes right to my phone. So if anybody has a need to, to contact or wants to reach out, has questions, I'd be happy to, to get with you there on the email address. Awesome. Uh, so, guys, make sure you reach out, coachgriffith33 at gmail.com. Uh, very accommodating. Answer anything that you want. And try, again, to make it out to a game of practice this year and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Justin, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you, you going through this and talking about this. I, I think this is a very great topic uh, that people uh, need to hear. And, and I, don't know, I don't know that they know they need to hear it, but once they hear it, they'll be like, ah, oh, interesting. Okay, I, I needed to hear that. Yeah, I, I agree. I just, like I said, it's something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I've always, you know, kind of looked at, you know, as a Division II assistant, I would see kids that uh, were getting recruited by a ton of Division threes, and then one D2 would come along, and I would know firsthand from talking to coaches that, you know, even the financial situation wasn't better, but just going with the stigma that, oh, it's D2 over D3. So I'm glad that we could sit down and talk about it. Hopefully we can shine some light uh, on this area. No doubt, man. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, go, uh, you know, go hang out with the family, go have a happy Mother's Day and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, um, you know, thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Absolutely. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us, guys. Thank you very much for coming on. For Justin Griffith, I'm Jamie Shaw on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. We'll see you next time.